Hello, I'm Daniel Yates, and I'm an Executive Director at JP Morgan. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In celebration of Pride Month, I'm talking to Anthony Watson, CEO and founder of the Bank of London, about his life and career and his advocacy work for gay rights in society. Anthony is an outspoken activist for LGBT plus rights. He has appeared in the FT's list of the most influential LGBT plus executives and was described in the Guardian's World Pride Power List as one of the most influential gay men in the world. With that intro, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Can I start, Anthony, by asking you to tell me about your career journey and what made you want to start your own bank? Gosh, that is that'll probably take up the entire podcast, but I'll keep it um I'll keep it brief. So I'm a technologist by background. So I started my career at Microsoft, um, hacking code, and then eventually graduated into working in technology for banks. Then I co-founded a crypto firm in 2014 called Uphold, which is now one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. And out of that experience and the issues we had at that experience, I said, gosh, you know what? There's so many issues fundamentally broken with the heritage banking system across the complete chain of services that banks provide that I wanted to start up my own bank and specifically a clearing bank versus a retail bank and the specific permissions and licenses that a clearing bank uh, affords. We're the, for example, the Bank of London, we are the second clearing bank authorized in 250 years in the UK. So it's a very unique proposition we offer and they're not very common clearing banks in the us for example jp morgan in the us is what's called a money center bank so similar permissions and equivalency great it sounds like you had a very interesting and varied uh, career quite tech and finance focused um can you tell me during that career have you had any times where being openly gay has either helped or hindered you i mean i don't recall a time where it's actively helped me but I do recall many times it's hindered me in my career. Now, I'm slightly older than you. So from my perspective, I entered the workforce in the mid to late 90s. So it was a very different point in time where LGBT rights or gay rights in particular, we didn't have any. We had no protections in the law. We had no protections of rights of employment. We had no rights of marriage. We had no rights of anything. Homophobic attacks in particular were significantly high. And so I can recall my time at Microsoft, whilst I enjoyed working for the company, at that point, it wasn't particularly LGBT friendly. Whilst there were several senior executives in the firm, uh, Microsoft didn't really focus on diversity at that point. Now, I'm glad to say things have moved on and most companies have grown and changed since then. But if I think back to my early career, it certainly wasn't a, it was actually one of the reasons I came out was in Microsoft. Um, someone made a gay slur, wasn't directed at me, it was just a comment in a room. And I said, I just can't accept that. And I came out. It's important to speak out um, against people when they make um, kind of comments like that. I was going to ask, with starting your own bank, you've had the ability to kind of set the, your culture at the Bank of London. Um, what do you believe that culture of diversity, equity, inclusion to be? And how do you ensure buy-in from your employees? I mean, it's it's like when you when someone comes to work for us in particular, um, and because I'm a I'm I'm relatively well known gay executive, people know they're working for a gay executive. So there's no uh, subterfuge around 
our values as a firm. And we're very clear what our values are. We're very proud of our values, but it's a very deliberate thing. D&I and culture more in general at a firm isn't something like you wake up on a Monday morning and ta-da, you have a culture. It's something you have to work on constantly. And in particular, we have a very high bar. So there are certain attributes that we won't tolerate from employees. And we're very clear that we're not the right culture for everybody. So uh, we're very clear that we're okay if people self-select and say, you know what, this doesn't feel right for me. And it's driven by business imperative. So I don't want people thinking, gosh, I've got to hide my pronouns or hide who I am when I want their whole brain focused on work. I don't want 25% of their brain focused on pretending that they're not whatever. Um, And that's across not just LGBT issues, but also people of different faiths or backgrounds, immigration status or military status. We're a very inclusive firm and we, we don't just tolerate difference in diversity. We embrace it and we celebrate it. And that for us is very important as a firm, but it's also authentic for us as well. So you'll see like a lot of our I think about 30% of our senior executives at board level and just below are LGBT or would identify as LGBT, which, which is, which is, which is not surprising when an openly gay CEO runs a particular firm, it's going to attract certain types of talent, but we also have very clear objectives that we just don't want pale, male and stale either. We're very, we're very clear about, we try to hire the best candidates for a role, but also the best diverse candidates for roles. And that's a board level down. And Anthony, you're an advocate for gay rights. Why do you feel it's important to be outspoken on this issue? Um, well, one is, I think it's like you, 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 you can't hide who you are or you shouldn't hide who you are and you shouldn't have to hide who you are. It's different now, although I would argue we're, we're rolling back somewhat in terms of LGBT rights. If you like the best performing companies, and I just look through a business lens, if you just take that, there's multiple lenses you can look through this. But if you just took a look at it from a business lens, the best for performing companies are generally the most diverse companies. And that brings different passions, ideas, ideations of ideas through just different experiences. So one of the things we, for example, we don't care if people have degrees. We don't care if you've gone to university or not. And that's driven by the fact that some of the best employees we have have had to work really hard because they haven't had degrees. So if you go to our website, we don't talk about the degrees or anywhere we've been to university. And that's a deliberate thing. It's a deliberate statement. And if you take that back, again, driven into our values as a firm, we care about quality of work and passion around work. I've seen people move mountains who who wouldn't fit in a traditional box. And that goes to the fact that, again, being openly gay and being, I know it's a trite statement, but being proud. Like I, if someone gave me a pill and said, this would make you straight, I wouldn't take it. I mean, I, I love the fact that I'm gay um, and I be, feel like it's one of the biggest blessings of my life if I'm really transparent about it. And I think it's important to lead with authenticity and it's important to be direct and transparent because it attracts the best and brightest talent because people prefer, in my experience, working with authentic leaders. Now, all leaders have their issues, pros and cons, no matter who you are. But the best leaders, in my experience, are the ones who are authentic. And for me, being transparent and vocal about my my homosexuality is an important part of my authenticity. And this podcast will be going out during Pride Month. Um, So I'd like to ask, what does Pride Month mean to you? And is it still necessary in the UK in 2023? 
It's absolutely necessary. If you look at the recent LGBT equality indexes across Western Europe alone, don't quote me on the number, but we've dropped in 2013 or 14, we were number one, and now we're number 16, I think it is. So LGBT rights are being eroded in very subtle ways in the UK, but in the US in very significant ways. For example, the bill Don't Say Gay in Florida. We had a version of that in the 80s, which was Section 28. And in my opinion, we lost the generation of gay men because they couldn't be properly educated about HIV and AIDS, et cetera. So I think it's a constant battle. And I, when people ask me about is pride still important, I, my, my response is always be thankful you don't need to be constantly fighting for your rights. And as a community, we're constantly fighting for our rights. 2013, I think we got, I think it was 2013, we finally got gay marriage in the UK. But up until like 2000, I think it was like still illegal to be gay in the armed forces. And you roll back and you roll back. And it's like, so it's, 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 very, it's a very recent occurrence. And so it shows you what's happening, in particular in the States, that if you don't hold on to your values and your rights, they will be very quickly taken away. So I think it's really, really important that we're constantly out there fighting for our rights because there are people who want to do our community harm and would happily roll our rights back with a smile on their face. It's always a, um, a statistic that surprises me, Anthony, but um, in 2023, it's illegal to be gay in 64 countries in the world. Um, how do you think companies can best use their influence to promote the decriminalization of homosexuality across the world? I mean, in particular on that issue, so I use a, an example that something I'm, it's close to my heart. Um, if you look at most of those countries, there are former colonies of Britain, and there was colonial law that brought in anti-LGBT or time sodomy laws that haven't gone away. And I believe we as a country have an obligation with our money and our influence to affect those countries and help them understand that they are not only weakening their own societies, but they're weakening their own cultures in a way that we've gotten through in the UK and most Western countries have. But if you look at that grouping, I think from memory, it's like, oh, it's almost 50, 50 of those countries are former British uh, colonies. So I would say um, firms in particular have a financial obligation to encourage and lobby and help change the laws in those countries that are LGBT brothers and sisters aren't subject to the most appalling atrocities. Like it's, 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 it's not that they, they have anti-LGBT laws, they're actively killing their LGBT citizens. When you get into the data, it's pretty scary what's happening out there. And I would argue any company that does business in those countries has an obligation. I think that highlights quite well, you know, the need to still have pride um, you know, in, in the UK and across the world um, in this day and age. Moving back to kind of work in the UK, numbers vary, but about 25% of LGBT plus adults go back into the closet after starting work. Given this, how do we create a work environment where people feel comfortable to be out in the workplace? I mean, it's it's quite a startling statistic, and I think you're right on that statistic. The last I read it was it sounds like a right number. I mean, it just shows you people talk to talk but don't walk the walk, and a lot of firms have to start walking the walk. It's no good basically having a value statement, whatever those values are, and most firms have between one and ten values, but clearly they don't live their values, and firms have got to be called out. I mean, I would be personally deeply upset 
for an employee at our firm went back into the closet for whatever reason. Like that's that's a very stark and telling statistic that you can't feel um, comfortable being who you are. And it's stupid for the firm. You've gone out and you've hired, in particular in financial services, generally people who are either well-educated or well-skilled, who are generally paid, certainly statistically, the highest income earners in the UK. And you want half your brain focus on non-work stuff? It's just stupid. So it's just a really stupid thing to do. And I think employers, any any like any CEO who may be listening to this, if if they're aware of these statistics in their firm, I mean, it, I would encourage them to, to to take a pause and step back and say, look, at, clearly our values don't work here when, and it may be only a minority of employees, but it's a barometer for their overall culture. If someone can feel comfortable in their own skin, let's be honest, we spend most of our waking hours in work. Like I wake up, have a shower, I'm thinking about work. I go to the gym, thinking about work, go to the office, I'm thinking about work, I'm doing work go home at dinner, I'm thinking about work. It's like, so if if you haven't got someone's brain power focused on your business and they're constantly hiding or changing pronouns or being evasive, they're not being authentic. They're not focused on your business. It's just, it's just, it's just ultimately it costs businesses. I've never understood why companies talk about their values, but then don't live them. Like, what's the point? Just just don't have any values at all. And that, that's perfectly acceptable. That's not like, I think it's a stupid decision, but it's a perfectly acceptable decision. At least they're being honest. But there's a lot of issues around that in the UK. But it's not just with LGBT people. It's with people from different minority backgrounds, et cetera, as well. Thank you. Um, for my next question, I told ChatGPT that I was interviewing you and I asked it to write me a question on AI and diversity, equity and inclusion. And the question that it came up with is, how is the Bank of London leveraging AI within the organization? And what steps are being taken to mitigate any potential biases that could arise from AI? So as a, as a technologist um, first and a banker second, I, um, I've taken a keen interest in AI. And um, AI is a, going to be a game-changing technology. We are looking at aspects of AI, but it cannot be doubted in every instance where AI has been used in any significant way, it has defaulted to homophobic and uh, racist positions. And that's just on, in terms of profiles of bookings, in terms of profiles on writings. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. So there is something embedded with, with an AI where it defaults to um, um, positions that would not be acceptable in society today. So. I think anyone looking at AI needs to take a very considered view and, and it goes back to the value statement. You need to embed values in systems, control values, arguably. And those are some interesting and very topical um, issues on the ethics of AI that you that you raise would be interesting for us as a society to kind of solve them and look to protect um, people from um, those shortfalls in the years ahead. Looking ahead, um, where do you think the industry needs to go further on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, I think there are just the UK alone, and I know the US is relatively similar, although it is slightly better. Um, um, there are no openly LGBT people leading a FTSE 100 company. Um, why? I mean, the question has to be why. Like There are certainly very capable LGBT leaders in the world. Um, if you look at the boards of FTSE 100 companies in particular, um, and it's a barometer, right? It's, it's, not, it's not a 
it's not a it's it's not a silver bullet, but it's a barometer. There's very few LGBT people on boards of companies. Um, um, same in the US. Um, although they have, I think there's four or five, um, um, Nasdaq and uh, New York Stock Exchange CEOs of significant companies who are LGBT or identify as LGBT. Um, and I think the tone starts at the top. I mean, if you're not in a room with LGBT people, you don't think of it it's like it's 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 a binary thing. And so boards, when they look at their makeup, they shouldn't just be looking at through the lens of gender or ethnicity. I mean, arguably the UK's LGBT population, and again, I don't know this the, the latest numbers, but it's around four or five percent. That's larger than the 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 Anglo-African population in the UK at three percent. And we're significantly underrepresented in media, in business, in senior roles, in junior roles. Um, We have unique issues and problems that need to be addressed for our community for lots of reasons. But but I do think it's important that boards, when they are selecting the best candidates, they're selecting from a much wider pool because the tone always starts from the top. And, And in my experience, in particular in large corporations, if it's not measured, people don't focus on it. It's just, they just don't, because everyone's so busy. And finally, Anthony, you're clearly a role model um, for others, having had a very successful and meteoric rise. Um, what advice would you have for the next generation of leaders? Be your authentic self. People do not follow inauthentic leaders, in my experience. So if you want to be a leader, be authentic. And that means being true to yourself and your colleagues and your family. You cannot live under a bushel. You cannot hide who you are. I remember the the trauma of coming out when I came out, and I came out in a very traumatic way. Um, but but if I look back now, I wouldn't change at all. And I, arguably, I would not be whatever success I have attained is down to a big part of my me, me being gay, without doubt. With that, uh, we draw our conversation to a close. Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking all things DE and I with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you to everyone for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Thank you and have a great Pride Month. Mm-hmm.